Hi, this is Nathan Toops, and you're listening to episode 9 of Embracing Disruption. Hello, podcast listeners. Last week, I recorded my first telephone interview for the podcast. Hi there. Thank you for calling the Electronic Frontier Foundation. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. To dial by first or last name, press pound. For membership inquiries, press two. Or press zero or stay on the line for an operator. So I was lucky enough to get staff member April Glazer on the phone. And I'll actually let her introduce herself. So I'm, I'm a staff activist at EFF. And I actually started in November. Uh, and at EFF, with the EFS activism team, I take a, a large part of the grassroots organizing work. And I think I should take a step back. The EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, is an organization that started in the 90s, and they have championed fighting for the public interest um, in digital rights for a very long time. So this is an organization who helps us protect our privacy rights, and they also fight for transparency from government organizations like the NSA, domestic spying, and a lot of other great topics. So before I came on, most of EFF's activism was a lot of thought leadership and a lot of coalition building and online actions. But we see that we're at the precipice of so much change right now, right? So much is moving forward in terms of our legal cases, our legislative work. We've seen two presidential review groups speak out against mass surveillance, that we're really at a moment of seeing some real change in this space, and uh, it's time to get on the ground and, and go around the country and go around the world and, and really make these issues real to people, talk them through with people, and, and, and get that kind of you know, grassroots momentum going that's really needed to propel passage of, of law. And that's actually a big part of what the EFF does. They have a team of attorneys and activists, and they get people involved in the community, that's in the United States and all around the world, to make, in effect, real change. So I asked April what her goals were with the activism group in the EFF. What I'll be doing a lot of is, is, is going around to college campuses, working with students and professors, and really, when you're in college, it's a fantastic time to learn about politics, right? And to learn and to get active and to get involved. Perhaps at high school, you you know you you didn't have in routes to to, to political action. But um, as a college student, you often do, and it's a great way to it's a great time to, to learn about issues that you didn't know about before. And so um, we really want students to begin to adopt these issues and understand. Grab a, have a firm understanding of the importance of privacy, right? We, we need to create an enabling legislative environment. We need to have voters now and in the future that totally understand and vote based on, based on you know, whether or not that their representative is going to be protecting their basic rights online. Because so much more of what we're doing now happens online. If our rights don't go with us, that's a big problem. 
Uh, so I'm going to be doing and have been doing a lot of campus organizing, going around speaking to classes, trying to intersect with people that are very new to this issue. Also community groups around the country um, I've started connecting with and organizing talks and really just empowering people. You know, it, it means a lot to folks when someone from EFF comes to your hometown to speak with your group and talk to you about how to get involved in, you know, our various projects, you know, whether it's pushing for positive legislation or, you know, promoting encryption in the community, you know, understand, like, promoting the use of HTTPS everywhere, whether it's boycotting certain products that, you know, have collaborated with NSA, whether it's uh, securing a deep understanding of why privacy matters and why anonymity matters and why we need to be able to protect those, you know, those very basic fundamental rights. Um, online, uh, even if people might say, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, so why should I care? We really need to paint the picture of the fact that when the First Amendment is massively reinterpreted and violated and the Fourth Amendment, likewise, um, it's a threat to, you know, our, our basic democracy. So um, so what I'm doing, to, 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 in sum, I'm, I'm I've already started and I'm going to be expanding on this is, is, is developing materials, helping people plug into our campaigns in a, in, a, in a more literal way. And as our conversation continued, we started talking about upcoming events um, and things that were in the near future. And one of the things that came up was TrustyCon. TrustyCon is a new security conference that sprang up out of protest to the RSA conference. Uh, and to give you a little backstory, RSA is a company um, that deals with encryption and very, very important security standards. And in the, in the Edward Snowden leaks that have come out, it, it shows that the RSA either worked with government agencies to purposefully weaken encryption or actually provide backdoors to encryption standards in some cases. Um, when this news came out, several of the more prominent speakers actually boycotted the conference. And through that, a new conference called TrustyCon um, sprung up. Uh, this is a, this was started and spearheaded by uh, ISEC Partners, which is a security consulting firm. The Electronic Frontier Foundation is involved, and so is DEF CON, which is a very prominent hacker conference. It's, uh, it's hard in good faith to, to, to continue with RSA. And of course, a lot of heavyweights are still speaking at RSA, but they're going to be bringing up really important issues, like Bruce Schneier is still, is still holding his talk. Um, but he's going to be bringing in a string of conversations to the conference that I think is really important. Yeah. It's a massive conference, and a lot of people have dropped out, and a lot of people will be walking out and coming to, to TrustyCon instead. And, and we certainly support people making whatever move they want to make. But in case you feel like, you know, if you, if, you, if you are a defender of online privacy and are looking to defeat NSA programs and not support them, then we would love to give people an alternate forum. And yeah. that's what TrustyCon is. Uh, EFF is not the main organizer by any means, but um, we are involved and are very grateful for the generosity that the organizers have bestowed and that they're giving, they're, they're donating proceeds to our awesome nonprofit. Of course, we will be putting links to TrustyCon in the show notes. If you want to visit TrustyCon's website right now, it's trusty.com. 
www.ghostsofcon.org. And even if you aren't going to be able to make it, I, I am not sure. It's in San Francisco. It's at the end of the month. I'm not sure if I'll actually be able to make it, but I went ahead and bought a ticket anyway because it's such a worthwhile cause. Um, if I can go to the conference, I would be very happy. And if I don't make it to the conference, it's a, uh, it's a wonderful donation to the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And as we shifted gears, I brought up the inevitable topic of Edward Snowden and the leaks on sensitive information about the NSA. I was curious about how it may have affected the way that the EFF communicated to the general public. Okay, well, I'll just say that before the Snowden leaks made, our, you know, the privacy advocacy popular, it would be really hard to get in front of a group of people and talk about the importance of, you know, online privacy or make a case that the NSA is spying, right? Even though we had whistleblower evidence, not only from, uh, you know, an AT&T technician back from 2005 that has indisputable evidence that NSA has secret rooms in AT&T data centers, particularly the one here in San Francisco on Folsom Street, and that was then corroborated by three NSA former employees, although we had indisputable evidence. What the Snowden leaks did was made it so that I didn't have to give a long introduction <laughs> anymore, right? The people, people know that this is happening. Uh, there's no disputing that now. There wasn't disputing it before, but I used to have to tell a longer story, right? Now it's, it's people know about it. The introduction was made. The question is whether or not they understand the constitutional and human rights implications of this. And and so I'm grateful that that these issues have become more normalized. Not that they've become okay and that they've become normalized, but that they are part of, the, they're very much, you know, part of the conversation. You'd, you'd have to live under a rock somehow to have not crossed paths with, you know, notions of NSA over broad surveillance. And so that's done wonders for for uh, for our advocacy. But we've been advocating for privacy for a long time. Right. Um, and the Snowden leaks uh, added evidence to our case. We have two cases now against the NSA. Um, one that that we launched last year after the Snowden leaks, um, and another that we've been involved in since, since 2006 is when that litigation started. Uh, but again, yeah, we we've been suing the NSA since 2006. So, and we don't defend Snowden to be clear, um, but we use the evidence that he's provided in our cases. It substantiates our claims. And as we moved on, the next topic that came up was the day we fight back. This podcast is being posted on uh, February 10th, and tomorrow, February 11th, 2014, is the day we fight back. It's a really exciting campaign, and I'll let April sort of elaborate on this topic. So the day we fight back is exciting because because there's so many things happening. Like I said, all three branches of the federal government have spoken out against mass surveillance. We had a federal judge say that it's, you know, most very much likely illegal what the NSA is doing. We've seen two independent presidential review groups, both strongly condemning NSA domestic spying. We, so that's the executive branch. And, now, and then we have a bill in Congress that we're trying to propel that is seeing momentum, and that's the USA Freedom Act. Uh, so with so many things happening right now, it's hard to say what's on the plate. Um, but uh, needless to say, we 
think that these types of periodic actions, like the day we fight back, are really important to get people together and ready to act as soon as, you know, something hits the fan and, and we need to respond, right? And so I asked April to sort of elaborate specifically on what the goals of the day we fight back, in fact, are. The day we fight back is primarily aimed at pushing calls to Congress and pushing letters to Congress, urging our elected officials to stand behind meaningful NSA reform and support the USA Freedom Act and to oppose Senator Dianne Feinstein's fake fix. Her, she calls it the FISA Improvements Act, but don't be so don't be fooled by the bureaucraties there because what the FISA Improvements Act actually will do is codify some of the absolute worst aspects of NSA spying. And of course, there's activists like myself and in other organizations that are working hard to help people raise their voice and express themselves to their elected officials. But, uh, but people need to, to take that responsibility and, and go ahead and make that call. It might not be what you're used to doing, but, uh, but they record every call that's made, and, and we need to inconvenience their staff that day, right? We need to show their staff, we need to, to derail whatever other plans they had, because on February 11th, they're going to be hearing from the public against NS, uh, NSA mass spying. And, of course, we will have more information about The Day We Fight Back in the show notes. You can also go to thedaywefightback.org to get in for more information. Um, if you have your own website, there's a banner that you can put on your website to encourage people to sign up. Um, and tomorrow they make it very, very simple to, uh, call your legislatures so that you can, um, let them know how you feel about, um, about privacy. So I, the EFF actually does a lot of stuff, um, even like outside of the scope of, of uh, dealing with mass surveillance and privacy rights. So I wanted to give April uh, an opportunity to talk about um, the broader range of, of EFF scope, um, as well as how you can um, find out more information. Sure, so EFF works in a broad range of issues. Just, I mean, we've been primarily talking about our work against mass surveillance, uh, but we also work to reform copyright so that it, you know, actually fosters creativity and doesn't stifle it. We work on patent reform issues. We work on free speech around the world, jailed bloggers. Uh, we also build software, right, to, uh, to actually circumvent surveillance. Uh, there's, you know, we could, there's the policy fight, and then there's also the fact that there's ways of just, of just routing around it in some ways, and we definitely support the construction of that software, and in fact, are building some. Uh, so the best way to learn about EFS is to visit our website. We have a very comprehensive and active blog. It's updated, you know, one, uh, actually probably two to four times a day, uh, covering a range of digital rights issues. And reporters look to our blog to write about what's happening next. So we write about it often before the reporters do, right? We're really on the bleeding edge of change here because we're right in the middle of all of it. Uh, we have, you know, 16 lawyers on staff, uh, technologists and a few activists like myself, um, a whole international team uh, working on everything from, you know, the new resolution that was just passed at the UN in December that reaffirms the universal human right to privacy um, to, like I said, uh, 
you know, advocating for bloggers that are arbitrarily or wrongfully detained in countries around the world that don't have the same free speech rights that other countries do. So uh, I'd say the best thing to do would be to check our blog regularly and also to sign up for our newsletter. It's called The Effector. You can sign up when you go to our website, EFF.org, look at the right-hand corner, go ahead and put in your name and your zip code, and uh, you don't have to put in your zip code, but if you do, then whenever we come to a city near you, you'll get an email letting you know that an EFFer is going to be around. You can come here and speak, um, but definitely sign up for our newsletter. You'll, you'll get updated about once every two weeks. Uh, read our blog regularly um, and explore our site because there's a ridiculous amount of information in there. Uh, you can learn the whole history of NSA spying at EFF.org slash NSA-spying. Uh, you can, you know, get a long history of, of uh, intellectual property issues that we deal with as well. Uh, just check out our website. And you can find more information about the EFF at EFF.org. Well, this wraps up our episode. Um, it's been fantastic. It was a great interview. Um, so we learned a lot about the EFF. We learned about TrustyCon, and we learned about the day we fight back. Uh, we hope to have more exciting interviews over the course of this year. Um, and as always, keep on striving to do great things. Thank you.